You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here's episode 25, IAQ and signs you have issues. Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist, and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. are on episode 25, IAQ and signs you have issues. Steve, what does IAQ mean? Indoor air quality. So obviously when we say indoor air quality, it's not, we're not just talking about mold. We're talking about anything in the air that can be harmful to you. So when you guys see or hear IAQ, most of the time you don't really think about it and don't realize what it is, but it's indoor air quality, which can cover a whole gamut of things. But Today's podcast, we're just going to talk about more of the the stuff that I'm obviously educated on and what I've dealt with and, and how much I encountered it as a, a, or have encountered it as a mold inspector and a home inspector. So who needs to be concerned about IAQ? Pretty much everyone. Uh, when I say pretty much, everybody should be concerned about it. But, you know, if, if you're buying a new home or you just moved into a new place, um, if you're a landlord, you know, if your children are in a school that you think has issues, you should be concerned about it. And speaking of landlords, that's where it gets a little difficult. We've talked about this in previous podcasts, but if you're renting a place and you think you have indoor air quality issues, obviously you have to take that to your landlord. And you need to do it in a promptly manner, but remember, they're... Depending on the type of landlord you have, they're really not going to feel inclined to spend any money or, or deal with any of that. So, so keep that in mind. And, and I, I think that we did a podcast too about schools, and it, it's it's similar that way. But everybody should be worried about their indoor air quality. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. So you talked about things you've seen specifically with IAQ. Can you talk through a few situations with indoor air quality that you've seen? 
Yeah, so, of course, as a mold specialist, um, I've, I've dealt with the, the mold side, and obviously, you know, we cover this in other podcasts, but the way we know what the air quality is or how much mold's in the air is we can run air tests. Um, if, if, if we're in a home or doing an inspection and we don't visibly find the mold, we'll run an air test. So that way we can confirm to our clients, hey, this is, this is the type of mold you have. Are they acceptable levels? Are they not acceptable? Um, which actually, that brings up something else. There's no entity in the United States that actually has a, a, a baseline or has recommendations or standards or le- acceptable levels. There's no, no agency out there that tells us it has to be this, this, and this. That's the crazy part about mold <laughs> is we have to do, you know, we have to ask you about your medical stuff. We have to ask about, you know, past uh, moisture intrusion events. I mean, we have to ask a lot of questions, and that's how we narrow it down. Is it a mold issue? Is it a, a radon issue? Or is it a health issue? So so keep that in mind, too. And when we talk about air quality, as far as mold, there's no set standards that that you should have. And so other some other things that most people don't think about with indoor air quality is radon. So radon is a inert gas. It's the natural decay products of uranium and radium. So those two components, they decay, they produce an, a gas, and that gas is radon. And radon is the second leading cause of cancer next to smoking. So that's another concern. Radon, uh, the first symptoms is pretty much you already have cancer. So it's something that you, you don't know whether you have it or not unless you test for it. Another concern, if you live in a home that was built prior to 1978, in any home you should be concerned about this, but by law in the United States after 1978, uh, contractors couldn't use what's called ACM, so that's asbestos-containing materials, so insulation, siding, flooring, whole whole gamut of things, uh, popcorn ceilings. Um, anyhow, that sh- you can test for that. We can do that in an air test also. So asbestos is a concern. Um, and then also lead in 1978, lead they couldn't use, but that's not an indoor air quality issue. So we're not really going to cover that. Uh, some other concerns you could have with air quality too, that most people just don't really think about is what if you're buying a meth house, an old meth house. Oh, wow. And once again, there's, there's tests we can do to, to be able to tell, but the, the scary thing you have about with meth, um, when they're cooking meth, they're using such harsh chemicals. And what obviously happens to that is any cellulose materials, sheetrock, wood, or anything, it soaks into that stuff. And so it's a, it's a chemical that's in the, in more or less in your walls and ceilings and floors. And you might not have a clue that, that that ever was a meth house. And that's something when you're doing home inspections or you're doing the home buying process, Make sure you ask your home inspector or, you know, if you have a mold specialist, can you test for meth or anything like that? So that is something that most people don't even really think about. Should people, I've, I've heard of situations where people were concerned about brand new construction of homes in areas on land where it used to be a nuclear plant or it used to be something where there was a lot of chemicals and noticing that the rates of cancer were really high in those brand new subdivisions where I guess that ground or whatever there right. was in the, what do you think of in air quality? In terms well, of that? I, so for the most part, 
what you're talking about, like I say, for the most part is it's it's not it's not as common as it used to be because because of the government they've really hampered down on stuff like that they more or less they deem the land that it's just a toxic waste dump and so you're not gonna see that too much nowadays um you know like back in the days i remember in southern utah that it was called the off gassing i can't even remember what it was called so if any of you were familiar with it i apologize but Anyhow, it was some sort of nuclear testing they were doing out in uh, Nevada, and supposedly that wind brought that 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 uh, stuff over into southern Utah, and they all started getting cancer. And so, when you have things like that, that's something that's a little bit out of my field that I don't really I don't get into any of that kind of stuff. Um, if if it were me, obviously we could go in and. We can run air tests because when I say air tests, we can run air tests that are for dust, um, any kind of particles, allergens, uh, obviously mold and VOCs, uh, which is volatile organic compounds. But we don't really get it too much into that. So what I would say to answer your question is, is if, if it was if it was me personally and this was a new subdivision and it used to be a toxic waste dump, I, I wouldn't even... I wouldn't even consider buying a home there. I don't care how cheap they are. Your health's not worth it. So, but speaking of new homes, though, so when we talk about VOCs, in new homes, there can be off-gassing by, let's say, the stains in your hardwood floors, um, the type of paints they use. You know, nowadays we usually use latex, but there's there's a whole gamut of things that could, in a new home, could actually affect your air quality. And people think, well, it's brand new. It's just that brand new smell. Well, it could be it could be chemicals in the air that are affecting you negatively. So that is something that you need to be aware of. Like it's like the new car smell and new home smell. It's going to smell like that for a little bit, but if it keeps smelling that way, it shouldn't make you feel sick. It shouldn't give you headaches. It shouldn't you shouldn't be stuffed up. Your eyes shouldn't be watering. So when it comes to new homes, keep that in mind: is the off gassing from any chemicals they use to build. Absolutely. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Now, you were talking earlier about um, somebody buying a, a house that might have been a former meth house. What about things like nicotine in, in carpets or, or tar on the ceilings? I mean, how, do, how does that affect indoor air quality? It, it, it Obviously, it's more or less secondhand smoke. Um, it's not going to affect you like you would next to somebody smoking because it's the nicotine and the tars that are obviously not really in the air anymore. They're attached to the ceiling. But the way I could always tell when I was doing home inspections, I could always tell if there were smokers in the home. And the way I could tell, unless they did a fresh coat of paint, the, the, some inspector's nightmares, you know, everything just got redone. That way we can't see anything. But you can see, and a lot of times you'll see it in the in the bathrooms because a lot of people that smoke in their homes smoke in the bathroom. And it it's just, it, it's a discoloration on the ceiling and some people think it might be mold, but it's it's a lighter color. It's a almost uh, not even a brown. It's kind of like a color of honey, I guess, like a golden color. But anyhow, you can see it. You can just look up on the ceiling and you can see it. And it's kind of crazy. And you might not smell it, but you can totally see it. And when you deal with something like that, even when they paint over it, it doesn't really help a lot. And what, what it does too, if you're in a home that people smoke, you'll notice that, let's say, 
plastic things, they get like a filmy, like sticky tar substance to it. And it's something that you need to be paying attention to, but if they if they put a fresh coat of paint, it's gonna be tough for the inspector to catch that because you have no way of knowing. It's just a visual inspection. So that is something that you, you need to be aware of because there's people that are allergic to cigarette smoke. I know my father was allergic to it. And so you wouldn't know it until you, you move in and all of a sudden you're having all these problems. And this goes back to, uh, you know, my latest book, Black Mold and Home Inspections. That's why you need to be very vigilant during the home buying process to make sure you're not buying a home that once you've signed the, you know, dotted line and you've moved in and you go, oh, wow, there's a major mold problem or this used to be a meth house. At that point, you've, you've, you've already purchased the home. So the onus is on you to, to fix everything. So make sure you spend the time and the money to take care of that when you're buying that home. What does somebody do if they already bought the home and they find themselves in that situation with the nicotine? For the most part, um, and, and I know everybody can't afford this, so it's the same concept with mold. I say you need to remove the sheetrock. Depending though on the on the wall coverings, when I say wall covering, so if it's sheetrock and it's been primered and then there's a paint on it, you actually have that protective barrier where the nicotine's not into the sheetrock. And if that's the case and it's just surface, you need to clean it up and it is not an easy cleanup. The problem you have with trying to clean up nicotine or tar on sheetrock is you can't get it too wet, otherwise you're gonna have a mold issue because the moisture goes into the actual gypsum itself. There are things in hotel rooms, what they do is they run, and we do this on mold for different reason, but they run an ozone machine. And so what it does, we do it for mold because we want to pump ozone into the air just to change the chemical makeup of the air so that the mold can't reproduce like it normally would. But hotels use them and bars, they use ozone machines to get rid of that smell. Okay. But at the end of the day, it's, it's no different than a mold concern. Buying an air filter is not going to fix your mold concern. you got to take care of that mold. So you're going to have to, it's, it's not fun to try to clean those ceilings and walls off, but you've got to clean it. And I, I, I don't know what kind of chemical you would use, but you need to be careful too on what chemicals you're using and you're exposing yourself to, which goes back to indoor air quality. So that's another thing that we really haven't touched on is, is, You've got to be careful too when you're cleaning your home what kind of chemicals you're using. We're not necessarily concerned as much as far as what it's doing to the sink because we don't really care. The sink's usually ceramic or metal or whatever. But to you, are you wearing a mask? Are you wearing the right gloves? You need to be very careful when you're doing that kind of stuff too in your home. Absolutely. And so then I would assume if there are nicotine in carpets, removing the carpets is the answer. You would have to, to remove the carpets and the pads. Okay. Um, it, it's very similar to if, if we have uh, pet urine issues, and we run into that quite often. And we actually see mold issues from pet urine. Wow. And on the flip side, and I've talked about it before, we've actually, there are mold types that do smell like urine. But you take the carpet out, the padding out, then the subfloor, you have to address the subfloor. Is it just like we were talking about the walls? Is there a non-cellulose primer or a stain or something on it that protects the wood? If not, then you probably have to re replace the subfloor too. But for the most part, people think they can just put kills over all that after they take the pad off, which sometimes it'll work, but if it's pet urine and it's soaked down into the subfloor, 
you're not you're gonna have to just replace those sections of subfloor. But it's all it's never a bad idea to once you have your floors exposed to the subfloor, buy five gallons of kills and paint all those floors. Because then what you're doing from that point on is you're protecting that subfloor. Okay, so that makes sense. Now, what about in terms of indoor air quality? What about asbestos? So asbestos, you probably see the commercials all the time. Mesothelioma, um, and so asbestos I touched on a little bit earlier. In 1978, in the United States, contractors were no longer allowed to use asbestos because it causes mesothelioma. Mesothelioma is, is a lung cancer, and it's similar to radon as far as your first symptoms are you have cancer. And so for asbestos, and I'll just cover quickly the, the most common things. The most common things you'll probably see nowadays with asbestos, when I say nowadays, homes that were built before 78, is popcorn ceilings. Not all popcorn ceilings mean it's asbestos, but that's the most common thing we usually see is popcorn ceilings and, and the, the problem you have with asbestos is the fact that we can run an air test and there are standards as far as what the level should be for asbestos we can run air tests or if it's a popcorn ceiling we can take what's called a bulk sample and that means you scrape that popcorn ceiling you put it in a baggie seal it send it off to the lab the problem you run into is asbestos is not harmful to you until it's airborne which is not typically the case. So if you're thinking about a popcorn ceiling or another thing that's asbestos is insulation in the attics. Um, some of the old tile flooring is asbestos, duct coverings. The, the, the problem is, is once you disturb it, and I never would, as an inspector, I wouldn't because of the liability, I wouldn't take a bulk sample because then I'm setting myself up that now I've exposed that to the air. So my point is with asbestos, if it's intact, leave it alone. And asbestos isn't like mold where with mold, you don't want to cover it up. With asbestos, I mean, I don't recommend it, but you can put another layer of siding on or, or whatever to cover up and encapsulate that asbestos. But if, when it comes to asbestos, you need to obviously get the professionals in, have them air test it and it's once again, it's kind of like a mold issue. It could cost you thousands of dollars down the road if you have to have that mitigated. So with all of these indoor air quality things that we just talked about, what are the key signs that people need to be on the lookout for that would pinpoint to them, hey, maybe I need to bring a specialist in and get this looked at further? So we didn't, pretty much everything we talked about is nothing you can, you can't see any of that with your naked eye. For the most, I mean, mold you can if there's an infestation, but you can't see radon, you can't see asbestos, um, you obviously mold spores, you can't see them floating around in the air. So the first thing you need to recognize is what your health is telling you. If you come home and every every evening when you come home, you get headaches or your eyes are watery, stuff like that, your health is telling you what you need to do. So if you're buying a new home, like I, I stress all the time, you need to hire indoor air quality specialist, which is similar to what I am. I'm actually a mold specialist, but there are indoor air quality specialists that do all sorts of stuff, different testing. Like you talked about like a, a nuclear waste field or something like that. So during the buying process that you always should have at least a mold, a mold specialist come in and because as a mold specialist, I can actually pinpoint too. Hey, Maybe it's off-gassing from the stains they used, or maybe it's this, or maybe it's that. So 
when you're buying a home, make sure you get them in there. But if you already have a home and, like I said, your health's telling you something's not right, then get a hold of an IAQ specialist. Okay. So there you have it. Specialist is always in order when your health is telling you something in the indoor air quality is not right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please subscribe and share this with people who you know need to hear it. Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.